0: If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Alright, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, We are starting a new series today, uh, and we are calling it This Is Us. Alright? Yes, I am aware that there is a TV show with that title. Uh, No, it is not about that. Alright? I have not really watched that show much at all. Uh, I do know all the spoilers because everyone talked about it all the time. Um, My wife has watched it, all right? So not at all what this is about. (laughs) But uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take some time and talk about what does it look like to be part of this church community? You know, I think some people maybe would use the term like, what is the culture of this church? Church. Uh, what, does it, what are the main values? What, is it, what are the things that really make us tick as a church? Um, and I'm not talking like theological stances on certain things. Uh, I'm not saying like, you know, this is, this is what we believe. I'm saying, how do we actually act and, and interact with each other, treat each other? Uh, what is like some of our main focuses that we try to do as a church? Alright? Um, and you may seem, well, you may say, like, this seems dumb. Like, that should be obvious. Shouldn't it be Jesus? And I'd be like, well, yes, I agree with you. Um, but, I, I, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the series, but I think that there's something more here. Because um, almost every church, I think, would say that their main focus is Jesus. Right? If they don't say that, you probably want to start asking questions. But, At the same time, every single church, if you've walked into a different church any time in the last five years, like you know that every church feels different. Every church is a little different. Every church values different things. And so obviously it goes beyond just like Jesus being the main thing, okay? And so so what is it that defines a church and makes it the way it is and, and makes it that community? And so we're gonna take four weeks and what we're going to do is every week we're going to look at a single statement all right, that, that I think kind of defines this community and something that we are striving for. And my hope is, is that these are not just like cutesy little phrases uh, that a church puts on the wall because, you know, that can happen. Like I see it all the time, like these generic cute little catchy phrases that actually when the rubber meets the road, they don't always seem to hold up. Okay, and and this is not like this isn't an indictment of other churches uh, and being like oh we aren't shallow like other churches that have a little statement like that. I'm not saying that at all. Um, instead, I think that every single day, uh, every single follower of Jesus and every single community of believers has to decide: Am I going to wake up today and live up to these statements that I have made about my faith? You know, I say that I've given my life to Jesus, but the reality is every single day I have to wake up and essentially surrender my life to him again, right? Otherwise you get out of bed and, and you're just really focused on yourself. And some days I do a great job of this and some days I don't. And so that's, that's the reality and it's the same for a community of Believers, Okay, we just got done going through the letter of Ephesians, uh, and the Apostle Paul made this statement in the letter. He said, I beg you to live a life that is worthy of the calling you have received. Okay, like you need to live in a way that honors what Jesus has done for you and honors now the responsibility that I have to respond to that. Because when you decide to follow Jesus, there are responsibilities that come with that. Maybe you didn't know that. And and you need to live up to some of those responsibilities. So as a church, when we make these statements about who we are, um, any day we may fall short of this statement. And the reality is we probably will. But this is what we are striving for. This is where we are going. You know, I'm not going to give up because I don't live up to exactly what I should do every single day. Instead, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to apologize and I'm going to try and honor him more every single day. And as a church, we gather together, we spend time together, and we can live up to some of these claims that we are making, or we can fall short. And we are always going to have moments where we fall short, but what are we doing about it as a church, as a community? What are we doing about that? Because so many people want nothing to do with the church, and many of them will make a statement that says, like, well, I don't want to be part of that. That's just a bunch of hypocrites. It's a bunch of people that say one thing and do another thing. And the reality is, like, they're right. The hope is, is that maybe they're wrong more often than they're right. But there are going to be days where you can look at me and point at me and say, yep, he doesn't do what he says he's going to do. And the Apostle Paul says the same thing in one of his letters. He says, I want to do this, but instead I'm doing this. And so, you know, we're in good company when we fall short still. It's how do we respond to that. All right, so when a church makes a statement like, love God and love people, but I walk through the doors of the church and it feels incredibly cold, like I don't belong, like everybody else knows each other. And that's why what we always say is we're a church family, but we're a church family expecting guests because we always want to have that opening for people to become part of this because families are often closed off and they feel exclusive. And that's not the feeling that we ever want at our church. All right? And and so instead of a church becoming a social club where people are trying to just gain certain status and keep that status, and, you know, I'm the one that behaves the best here and I've been going here the longest, like, instead of that, we want to look at, okay, how can we live up? to some statements about this community. So we're gonna jump into this series, and today uh, is gonna to be the first statement, but I'm also gonna be laying uh, just some basic groundwork and a foundation for how we need to approach this idea. All right, and this may be new to you. Maybe you'll figure out whether you think that this community is actually for you or not. Maybe, maybe this is your first Sunday, or maybe you've been coming a short amount of time, um, and, and you may hear some of these statements and be like, ah, I don't know if that's what I wanna be part of. And that's okay. Like, I, I've stopped, like, apologizing for, for where we feel like God is leading us if someone else feels like God is leading them somewhere else. That, that's okay. And it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And so uh, we're just going to kind of look at this. I'm excited about this. Um, and, and the reality is I don't think many people are going to hear some of these statements because they're pretty generic and basic and say, oh, that's not me or that's not what I want at all. All right, so let's do this. As we get started today, would you stand with me if you're willing, if you're able? Would you stand up with me? Uh, I'm going to read um just a very short single passage, which is funny because last week I just got done saying stop reading scripture verses and start reading chunks. But we back that up by reading the entire book of Ephesians <laughs> at the end of the message. Um, today, though, it, the important part in that is that we understand the context that surrounds it. When we take individual verses out of the context, that's where things start to get messy. Um, and so we're going to read just a verse here in First Thessalonians 2. Um, and, and we're going to kind of understand a little bit of this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Thessalonica, and he is talking about how he is showing love to that community. All right, so, so here's where we are. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. God, we pray this morning that as we, as we dive into this, Lord, that, that you would be the guiding lamp for this entire thing, that you would be the one that we're looking to. God, that everything we do is pointed back to you. Lord, never back to a church or back to a person, but just to you, Lord. And so we pray that, that this morning that every single one of us would become just so overly focused on you. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So, as we talk about uh, what it means to be part of this church or the way that we would describe this community, uh, we have to understand that within the idea of a church is the people, right? And I think we, we kind of understand that a little bit better. Like, yes, there's an organization that is called River of Life Church that is a 501c3 nonprofit, all of that type of things. Um, but that isn't necessarily the church. Right? Like, we understand this. The church is us. The church is the people. And that may sound sort of like the classic dorky answer, but, but it's important, and here's why. Because you can't say something about the church that isn't true of the people and expect it to be true of the church. Right? Does that make sense? Like, we can't say something about our organization that does not hold true with at least the vast majority of us And expect that the organization is ever going to live up to that. All right? And and so we see this kind of from the beginning of the church. In the the book of Acts, chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, it begins to describe the community of the early church after Jesus has gone to be with the Father. All right? And, And listen to the language here. I'm going to read this, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Listen to the language that Luke, the author, is writing about the first community about the first church. Uh, He isn't talking about it as an organization. He is talking about uh, a bunch of individuals. Okay, so uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, he says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It says, All the believers devoted themselves, thus the church devoted itself. A sense of awe came over all of them, Thus a sense of awe came over the church. All the believers met together. Thus the church met together. All the believers sold their property and were generous. Thus the church was generous. They, they worshipped together. The church worshipped together. Alright, so as we go through this series, as we talk about the church, River of Life, we need to understand that what we're really doing is talking about us. As we talk about what we think is true of the church... We need to be talking about what's true of us, and, and if some of these statements are over the next few weeks, if they don't seem to accurately describe you, uh, and I would expect this maybe for some of the points in this series, all right, then you should process that a little and ask yourself the question of why doesn't it describe you, all right, and if it doesn't describe you, I think there's probably two main reasons why it wouldn't. All right, there could be others, uh, but I think these would be the main two. The first one is this. You would say, the direction I feel God leading me is different from where this community is going. And if that's the case, like, that is okay. You aren't necessarily a heretic. I mean, like, maybe you are, but you aren't for that reason. (laughs) All right, maybe you have beliefs that are just wild and crazy. But just because you disagree with a church or the direction of a church Um, ...does not mean that you necessarily are completely in the wrong. And this is something that we need to get better at... uh, ...as just like the the church in America especially. People are different. Churches are different. And that's okay. And it doesn't make one group right and the other group wrong. And yet that's how we often treat it. Okay? That means that God can use us in different ways. And we should celebrate that. And what is hard is staying in a community that doesn't seem to describe who you are or where you're going. And some of you have done that before, maybe at another church, and you were there and you just didn't feel like where you were going, where God was leading you, is the same direction that the church as a whole was going. And maybe you tried to make it work and you tried to kind of figure things out, um, but over time it just became too uncomfortable. And you're just like, this is just so different from where I'm going. Or maybe you're like, I need to find a different community. All right, and that, that happens from time to time. And that, that will happen here. I would expect that there might be people sitting in the room that at some point you might say, man, I just don't know if I'm going the same direction as this community. And what I would say is, well, you know what? Either, hey, let's sit down and talk about it. Maybe we can figure some of this out. Otherwise, maybe you want to try and find a different community that you think lines up with you more, and, and I'm okay with that. Like, let's actually celebrate that. I'm not going to say you're an awful person because of that. That's, that's great. I want you, wherever you're going to be, engaging with God the most. Wherever you are going to be um, just really pursuing him with everything that you have, that's where I want you. And if that's this community, then great. I would love for you to be here. If that's a different community, then let's, let's pray over you and send you to that community. Because we want to see people come alive and be engaged with God. Instead of just like secretly kind of slowly disappearing out the back door, and then you're like, man, where's so-and-so? I haven't seen them in a long time. You know, and like I, I, as often as I can, want to engage with people, pray a blessing over them, and be like, this is great. I'm excited that God's leading you to something. Let's send you out. You know, in a way that when your name comes up in the future, I, I am just talking incredibly highly of you. I, oh, I love them. We were so sad when, when they moved uh, into a different community, but we are so excited for them and what God's doing in their life. Or maybe the difference isn't actually that big of a deal for you, and you want to make it work. And sometimes the person maybe just needs to be challenged. Maybe you need to think differently differently. Maybe hard conversations need to be had to really make us figure some of this out and become more confident in whatever direction we're going. And and so that leads us to the second reason why you may hear one of these statements and say, I don't know if that really describes me. All right, the first one is like it it just doesn't. That's not where you're going. But the second statement is this, because I need to grow in that area. This is me all the time. I, I, I read through things in the Bible, and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I want that to describe me. But I'm not there yet, and I need to grow to get into that area. Often we need to be challenged to change our thinking, change our focus, step up in a certain area. And a healthy community shouldn't shy away from doing that with each other. So as we go through this series, we are describing our church, but we are hopefully also describing us. And we are describing what someone needs to be willing um, in order to be, be part of this community. All right, and so here's the first statement about this community um, that I'm going to make for this first week here. We're going to make one each week. And each one of these statements is kind of a, a what we do, but then also a how we do it. It has like two parts to it. All right, you'll understand it when you see it here. So this is the first statement. Our community authentically gathers together to share our lives with one another. All right, this, this should describe our community here. And so what we do is we gather together to share our lives. How we do it is authentically. That means truthfully, transparently, without any walls or any pretenses or putting on any type of mask. Like our world is so full of people being fake, pretending to be something that they aren't, acting like everything is fine when it isn't. And we want people to think the best of us, so we show them The best of us, right? Like, this is the big complaint with social media. Like, when was the last time you saw someone post a selfie with the caption, like, I really looked like trash today, so I figured I should show everybody how bad I looked? (laughs) Right? Like, look at this. I woke up, and I I look like a semi just ran over me. That's, That's not what social media is. Instead, it's the highlights. It's, oh, look at this best thing. Look at this. My entire week was crazy and hectic, but here's this, like, 10-minute little, like, I sat by a lake, and it was peaceful and calm, and that's the one picture you see. The rest of the week was awful, you know? And, like, you know, or how many times, like, you know, it's like the false humility post where someone's like, oh, my house is so messy and life is so hard with little kids, but it's worth it. And there's, like, a picture of a little kid perfectly smiling with, like, two toys around them. And you're like, okay, come on. Like, if you're saying that's messy and hard... You know, like, where's the person that shows, like, the picture, you know, or a video of you losing your cool because one of your kids just hit the other kid over the head with a plastic toy for the sixth time today. By the way, they've been watching about three or four hours of TV because you're just desperately trying to get something done. Laundry's all over the place. The dishes are on the counter. Like, where's that post, right? But that's not what we see. We see the best of people's lives. Or we walk into church with big smiles, And nice church clothes on and and, and act like we didn't just get into a big fight in the car on the way here. Okay, and some of you right now might even be like jabbing someone next to you. Yeah, he's talking about us. But we walk through the doors like everything's perfect. As soon as we open the door of the car, big smile, life is great. We'll finish this fight afterwards and you better be ready. Because I'm going to spend this whole service thinking of ways to... To really jab you here. And I think that that's often because we think a church community has to be this perfect place where we put on our best face. And we try to do that for the people around us, and we try and do that for God. When in reality, it's, it's just a lie. If your week was hard, I, I would much rather hear about that. If, if you got into a fight on the way in, I want to encourage you. Because I want to be able to share those same things with you when i'm going through that but if you constantly are putting on this like fake perfect persona then i don't feel like i can ever share where i have been falling short because everyone around me is perfect and that's the idea that we start to have i've heard it that like this statement said like success builds walls failures build bridges if all you do is talk about how good things are other people can't always relate to you And you are building a dividing wall, a separation between you and them. But when you share something hard, you share a failure, you share um, something that has gone wrong recently, like everybody can relate to that. They feel like they can share their past and current failures with you as well. So when we pretend like everything is good, we actually hurt ourselves because we don't get the help and encouragement we need. And we hurt others because they feel like they have to live up to our fake standard that we have now set. And if we approach God with this fake pretense, how can we ever grow? Or maybe we we only approach God when we think we are living the right way and doing our best. You know, the amount of times I've heard someone say, "Oh, hey, Pastor, I'm going to get back to church. I promise. I got to I got to I got to get some stuff pulled together. I got to get my life figured out. I got to, you know." and, And they feel like you have to be everything's going perfect when you walk through the doors. That teaches us that we can't approach God when we've screwed up. And that's so far from the truth. The story of the prodigal son returning home after you know, taking his father's inheritance and squandering all of it, spending all of it. And, and if you've heard the story, like he's walking home and he's literally rehearsing, okay, what am I going to say to my dad? What am I going to say to him? Oh, I screwed up and I wasted all this money. And if I could just come back and even just work for you, I don't even have to be your son. Let me just work for you. And as he's walking back, the dad sees him, and he takes off running and just hugs him with everything he has. Just saying, hey, he didn't even care about that. He's saying, just just come back. We see the same type of thing with David in the Psalms. David is constantly coming to God authentically and honestly with where he's at. He doesn't pretend like things are okay. Psalm 13 is one of my favorite Psalms. I'm going to read this here. It says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust you in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. And don't think that he wrote the first four verses of this psalm and then three weeks later when things got better, he turned around and wrote that ending. He goes to God honestly and he's basically, God, where are you? I'm doing everything I can to live the way that you've called me to live, to come close to you, to follow you. Where are you? Because my life is a mess. And I would have thought that if you were here with me, my life would look different. That, that's what David is saying here. And you can read through tons of other psalms that look like this. David coming honestly to God. But then I love this at the end. While well, he's still in that spot, he says, you know what? But God, I trust you. I trust you. And so David just starts yelling at God in his psalms so often. And, and, and so, do, so do the... like. That's okay for us to do that, to go to God honestly. And so I I love this verse that we read at the beginning, Paul referencing how he interacted with the church in Thessalonica. And he says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. How often at churches are people just purely focused on, we got to preach out of the Bible, we're going to sing together, and everything we talk about has to do with God. And that feels a little bit fake. Like, I want to go beyond that. I want to I share parts of my life with people. I want to hear what it is that you spend your week doing. And here's the interesting thing about this verse. Like, the word, the Greek word that's translated here when he says, but we shared our own lives. The word translated for lives It's the Greek word psyche. All right? And that word is translated to lives or life about half the time. And the other half of the time, it's translated as Soul. In 1 Peter 1 9, like psyche is the word that, that is used when it says the reward for trusting Jesus will be the salvation of your soul, of your psyche. And so I hope that paints a picture of a depth that Paul is talking about here when he says, I shared my life with you. He's saying, When I was with you, I, I loved you so much that we. We didn't just talk about the superficial things. We didn't just talk about the Christian things. Like We shared everything. We talked about everything. We invited you to be part of our lives at the deepest level possible. And, and this is a picture of a church that when we gather, we don't just talk about you know, how good or how bad the weather is. And we're Minnesotans, so we have to do that. You know, it's just how you have to start every comment is how good it is, how bad it is, how you hate it, how you love it. That's okay. But do we stop there? Do we move beyond that? Do we move into things? You know, we go beyond just like, um, you know, how is the weather? Or how busy are you currently in life? Or, hey, did you catch that game that the Vikings had? And, and I say no, because I have enough other things in this world to be depressed about without watching Minnesota sports teams. <laughs> and, and I'm guilty of this, all right? Like, I hate that especially on like Sunday mornings, it feels like things are, are so rushed and you have such little amount of time to try and talk to as many people as you can that it's two minutes of just hitting the most surfacey level things ever. All right, and that's why like, as you're, as you're part of our church, you will hear us say like Sunday mornings is not enough. Sunday mornings is not what it's about. Sunday mornings, if all you do is Sunday mornings, I guarantee, if it's your first time here today, and if all you do is Sunday mornings, In three months, you're going to be sitting here saying, man, I just don't feel like I'm connecting. I don't feel like I'm getting to know people. Because Sunday mornings is not enough. We want to be a community that goes deeper than that. And so this statement, the fact that our community authentically gathers together to share our lives with one another. Like we want to be real and authentic with each other. We want to share our lives with each other. And in order to do that, we actually have to spend time together. And that means gathering consistently and faithfully on Sunday mornings, but it, it doesn't stop there. That should be where it starts. Okay? Scripture says, like, don't forsake the gathering together, but but it should not stop there. It needs to go beyond that. It starts with, with this time being like consistent and a priority in our lives. But then beyond that, it goes to getting together. It goes to sharing meals together, sharing our homes, uh, being in life groups or serving on teams together, like actually being friends. And friendships can't be forced. Like It takes work. I wish so badly you could just show up on a Sunday and immediately have a bunch of friendships built. But it doesn't work that way. You have to put in work. You have to talk to people you don't know. You have to share hard things. You have to make time in your calendar. Relationships have to be a priority. You can't just come on Sundays and think that that, that this statement will describe you and your relationship with this community. Sunday mornings aren't enough. If you don't know anybody, come talk to me. I'm going to put you as a greeter. One of the best ways to get to know people, right there. There's a church that I served at out in Pennsylvania for a while, and they... uh, they, that was a regular practice where, like, once someone had come to the church twice, they were already asking, hey, do you want to be a greeter? And they're like, I don't know anybody. You're like, great, that's how you'll get to know them. And they just throw people, out and, like, there's something about being a regular at a church and walking in, and someone greets you, and you're like, I don't even know who you are. This is amazing. Who, who, what's your name? Like, And so it forces some of these things to happen. No one else can do this for you. Like, you have to be the instigator in relational things. Worship team, would you guys come? I feel like sometimes as adults, we haven't outgrown our childhood playground tendencies. Okay? And this is what I mean by that. My kids will go to the playground and there'll be other kids there. And my kids we will play with those kids for hours, hours. And then I'll be like, hey, Ruben, who, who's your friend that you were playing with? I don't know. Did you at least ask their name? No. You know, and, and on one hand, that's great that they can like spend time together and they can focus on those things and not feel like, you know, they have to know each other's names. But at the same time, you're like, Come on, just introduce yourself. Like what if you want to play with them again? You can, you know, like and I think we do that too. And what happens is you start to you start to build this feeling like you did create connection with somebody when in reality you never did. Right? And we have this. Kids do it, but adults we've hung on to this. Like one of my all-time favorite one of my sons, the middle one, we're, we're at a volleyball game at the high school, and we're sitting there, and and this girl comes over and keeps, like, hanging out with my kids, and I think she was in his class, and they're talking, and she's hanging out, and she's just following them around. They're going around the gym. They're going out to get popcorn at concessions, coming back in. She's there the whole time, and, and she knows his name. She's like, oh, Arvid, I gotta go do this. I gotta go do that. And... and uh, and she's like, "Okay, I gotta go back to my parents. I gotta talk to them quick." And this had been like 30 minutes of them hanging out. And I'm like, "Hey, Arvid, who who's your friend?" "I don't." Know. "How how does she know you?" "I think she's in my class." "What's her name?" "Broccoli or something like that." And I'm like, "I love you. I guarantee her name is not broccoli." Like I don't even know what name you're going for here. If it was like Brittany, or like you're like, how do you think her name is broccoli? I don't know what her name is, but I guarantee that's wrong. And yet, I think we do the same thing as like people in a church where we come, we gather, we want to be part of a community, but we never put ourselves out there. It's like middle school dating. We're like, eventually, you have to put yourself out there. You have to take a risk. You have to say, "Hey, here's my name. What's your name?" What are you doing for lunch today after church? You want to go to the countryside and grab lunch? You want to get together? What are you doing during the week? You know, we have to put ourselves out there and build relationships so you can have those feelings that you're connected with people. And I think when we don't do that, we have this surfacy feeling. And then all of a sudden, something happens in our life and, and, and someone we love passes away. And no one contacts you and no one even knows about it and we're sitting there saying wow and i thought this i thought this community cared about me and i think the challenge that we have to receive in that moment is have you allowed them to care for you have you shared those parts of your life with somebody where when something tragic happens in your life that there's someone sitting in this room with you that would be one of the first text messages that you're sending. You know, you're sending a text to your life group saying, hey, would you guys be praying for me? This is going on right now and I don't really know how to process this. I don't know how to deal with this and I want to find a way, but I don't know how. And this isn't something where where we get to just sit here and say, it's everybody else's fault and not mine that I'm not connected. It's not how this works. It, it, it comes back on us. And so we need to figure this out. And I think with this, with this statement that we're making about our church, I, I don't think many people would say, well, that's not me. I, I, that's, not, that's not what I want. That's not the direction God's leading my life. I think everybody probably would say, yes, I want to have that. So if this doesn't describe your life right now, Then that means you're in the second category, which means you need to be challenged. You need to say, okay, how do I do this? How do I start to have more relationships? How do I start to have more connection? How do I be more authentic in the way that I interact with people? Maybe I wanna come a little earlier on Sundays or stay a little later instead of running out right away afterwards. I'm gonna get to know people. When life groups kick off next month, okay, I'm going to make a priority to sign up for a life group, get to know some people. I'm going to make it a priority to have these relationships because they don't just automatically happen. And so here's what I want to do: we're gonna the way we're going to start closing our services, just at least over the next month, year or so, we're trying this out, is we're going to go back into a time of worship. Our prayer team's gonna be around the room and maybe there's something now that you're like, I I need to pray about this or maybe I just need to spend time right now with God and I need to respond, I need to process this. Another thing that we're gonna have available, we do communion on the first Sunday of the month together as a full group and we're still gonna do that. But I understand that sometimes maybe you missed it and and you feel like you were missing out. We have communion available just in the back and you can grab that yourself and you can take care of that. You don't need a pastor to lead you it's about focusing on Jesus and saying, God, I, I want to remember what you've done for me. All right, but we're going to take this time, and I'm actually going to have Pastor Aaron come. She's going to kind of transition us into this um, as we just take the last 15 minutes here as a church and hopefully respond to what it is that God is doing in our lives and how we f- are feeling challenged by him.
1: As Pastor Josiah was talking, I was singing about... <clears throat> Even how we were talking about how we were a community in this church, but how do we intentionally? I think about how many times we drive home to our driveway and we open the garage door, we pull a car in, we shut the garage door, and we just go into our own house. And I think about the relationships that we miss because we have our own agenda, we have our own schedules, and so many other things to get to. And so, I just want my challenge for me was. Stop being so busy and start reevaluating what I'm doing with my time. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm kinda of sick of the fake world we live in. Anybody else with me? I'm tired of being fake. And I wanna be somewhere where I can be me, just as God created me to be. In my prayer, I think Josiah would say this as well, and my prayer and our hope is that you can be you here and that you are welcome here and that your giftings and that your talents that God has given you can be used here, not for our benefit, but for his benefit and for his kingdom and for his glory. So I just want to challenge you with that as we go into our time of worship and again I'm just gonna invite the prayer team right now to come up and would you all just stand with me as we go into a time of worship Father God we want to be real we want to be authentic we want to be the people that you created us to be we don't have to hide certain things about ourselves but we can be just as you made us and God, you gather us here together. We have differences, ba- different backgrounds, different families, different whatever, it does not matter, but you have gathered us here together. And God, I pray that as we as we go from this service, that we truly like, take a look at how we are. Are we being authentic? Are we being real or are we being fake? Because this world needs much more of the real and the authentic love of Jesus so God help us to be authentic help us to be real and God as we worship you in the next few moments whether that's with singing with prayer time as we take communion remembering what you have done for us God we pray that we were authentic with you and we are honest with where we are with you God speak to us in the next few moments in your name